Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 52 of Unblocking Crypto, a year's worth of episodes. Wow, time flies. Yeah, no kidding. So this week, I think will be a little bit of a shorter week. Let's just recap some of the news stories that are going on. So welcome back, Al. And there's a lot of stuff happening in the government space. So maybe we'll start with, with some of that. I know from a New York perspective, New York has typically been one of the more difficult states for crypto to, to work in. And New York is now working on a bill that will allow crypto as a form of payment for all the state agencies, which is really intriguing. Have you heard much about that? Uh, I read a little bit about it. Um, I didn't get into the details, but I, I thought it was interesting because last year, New York tried to pass some anti-Bitcoin mining proof of work stuff, and it got struck down like in the last minute. And New York would be, you know, up there with California for the mentality of anti-proof of work. So that's that they're even moving closer to kind of accepting this stuff is that's pretty promising. Yeah, it was really interesting. So Arizona tried to one up it. So not only is Arizona actually doing kind of the same thing, they also are proposing for Bitcoin to be considered legal tender in Arizona, which is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing that, like, I remember reading a little bit about some, when they were writing that bill or putting it together last year. Um, so for for it to kind of come back across, you know, with legislation, the you know, rarely does something come through the first time and just get, and get passed. It usually kind of they put together the bill, it goes up, it gets struck down or gets part, you know, picked apart and things like that. So it's kind of an iterative process. And so, um, so yeah, I mean. I mean, I assume that this is like tax payments and like, you know, you could do property tax, you could do yep. um, all of those things like that would be kind of neat. And I, like it would be nice because if Arizona starts collecting Bitcoin and holding it and then sees it appreciate, then there's 49 other states that are going to see that. And, you know, the good thing about the United States, you get 50 different sandboxes, they can all play in them. and if Arizona does something that's that turns out to be a huge mistake, it doesn't hurt the other 49. But if it's really good, the other 49 can adopt it and, and implement it, and then it's good for everybody. So that's it's one of the reasons why this United States, you know, continue to kind of lead in a lot of ways. It's not all federal. So I, I, I'm all for it. I like government, governments and corporations, man. I think like the individual people are picking it up. Uh, I think there's some momentum there, but the corporations, there's not as much momentum in, in countries and, and, and states and cities. I think we need to pick up a little bit more momentum there. Well, kind of like we've talked in the past, it's all about getting people to try it out. And Ted Cruz is actually trying to get all the vending machines at Capitol Hill to accept Bitcoin just to get lawmakers familiar with Bitcoin and, and see it around. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that as well. Yeah, I know, like, and that seems like a kind of a token thing, and it's not that important. And you know, it's like vending machines in Capitol Hill. Like, you know, is AOC getting a Snickers bar from a vending machine and paying for Bitcoin? Like, probably not. There's probably what is there? Five hundred thirty-five lawmakers. There's half of those are probably like 
in order to get reelected, they can never even try it <laughs> because or, or if they want to, you know, tick off, you know, the, their party, uh, then they would, ha- you know, they have to go out on a limb to use Bitcoin. But like, you know, the Texas guys, the Florida guys, all that stuff, you know, a little social media thing of them buying uh, buying a bag of popcorn out of a vending machine using Bitcoin. You know, that, that might get them some votes. That That's the game they play, right? So, I mean, it's it's kind of dumb vending machines, and but it's all a little bit of traction, you know? And it's funny because it's like these things are the things that happen when when Bitcoin's in a, a bear state. Like, they actually, act, things actually happen instead of like all of this wild speculation and useless companies get started and useless tokens come online and shoot up in price. It's like it's not really that valuable. It's not doesn't really advance the ball. And then when when it's boring as crap and it's the price is just flat or dead, then you get like actual things happening where you know real world applications come in. One country that had a little bit of traction implementing Bitcoin last year, but uh, they haven't gotten the bill right is Panama, and so that bill got rewritten and is coming back up to the president for signature. I don't think it'll get signed because I think that they haven't done the KYC requirements in the way that they that the president wants. But it's a Bitcoin and a, and crypto for payments. They, they so Panama can kind of roll that out, kind of similar to what El Salvador did. So that would be another country, and it's another one in Central America. So you're kind of starting to build a little bit of a a thing, which is kind of funny because. I thought like it would center around Africa because their currencies are all over the place. I did read Nigeria is that like Nigerians are paying a 100% premium to buy Bitcoin because they're going to a central bank uh, digital currency. And so Nigerians are trying to get out of the system and get into Bitcoin. Um, and Nigeria has kind of been in the lead for Bitcoin for a while. Um yeah. Or not in the lead, but one of those leading countries. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just the news kind of keeps pouring out. It's not covered by mainstream media anymore because it's not hot. You know, that's it's just more and more things as things go wrong. You know, Bitcoin's a solution for a lot of problems. So from 2009, when it started until 2020, you know, there weren't a whole lot of problems. But now that we had COVID printed money, wrecked the economy, you know, global macroeconomic issues. I think it started to be a solution for, for a lot of, a lot more countries, a lot more people. And so on the, on another side to that is uh, strike and the lightning network as a partnership with Clover, which is a competitor to square for like small and medium sized businesses in particular to process credit cards. And so they've got like a 90 day trial to roll things out and then roll it out completely. And so that's going to kind of fold in a whole nother group. Clover is a little bit more expensive than Square. But if you use the Lightning Network, you can beat any other competitor that's using Visa or MasterCard or any of the traditional rails uh, because Lightning's almost free. So maybe it'll be 1% instead of, you know, two and three quarters or 3%. So you're talking. If you're doing $10 million a year on credit cards, it's worth making that switch to use the Lightning Network because you're talking 20 grand, 30 grand a year, which 
that's worth making a little change that you never feel that your customers never feel that that just works because the lightning network you know if you, if you pay in dollars great no problem it turns the dollars into bitcoin it fires the bitcoin over to the supplier and then for the supplier side it switches the bitcoin to us dollars or it could be any other currency switches you know switches it back and puts it in their account but you're not having to pay but just tiny transaction fees on the lightning network in order to to move that bitcoin around so instead of going you know one percent to one bank one percent one percent to one bank one percent to the other bank and then one percent for visa or mastercard more or less you cut out all that that could be good because if it worked for clover square you know it's going to be a copycat thing so square is going to have to look into it a race to the bottom right i mean fees drive a lot of that revenue so they they don't want to be left outside and have their competition having a huge advantage over them that's jack mallard's mo man he wants everything to be as cheap as possible for consumers and just get rid of all these middlemen transaction costs and yeah race to race to the bottom which is you know kind of the opposite business mentality of almost everybody else and then so uh, the final piece to that is clover is owned by fiserv which is a pretty monster company so they've got visibility to how this program is going to go hopefully it goes smooth and then you know they're a they're a financial services group so who knows where this thing goes but it's it's like everything man it's like vending machines at the cap on capitol hill clover's not square but showing that you can use bitcoin in a different way Let's see how that goes. If it works out, then things keep pushing forward. Well, it's interesting. You talk about partnerships and Swift and Chainlink just mentioned a huge partnership. So Swift is pretty much the de facto transaction arm for interbank transfers. And what they are doing when, with the partnership with Chainlink is allowing the traditional finance industry and the digital blockchain side of things, all those assets to be interconnected. And Swift pretty much came out and said, they're like, we struggle to decide on a single blockchain to choose to go after because if we make the wrong bet, we lose. Whereas mm-hmm. they can partner with somebody like a Chainlink who's working on 10 different blockchains. And now they have the ability to go across all 10 of those blockchains and really open things up and, and allow for some interesting engagements in the future. It's exciting to see what will happen from that. But that, I mean, Chainlink's another one that's their goal is let's reduce the fees as much as possible. So everybody does everything on there and it, it makes things faster and cheaper for everybody at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of crypto seems to be not anti, well, I mean, it's like, it's anti corporate greed, you know, just the mentality. That's how you do it. Right. You cut out all the, all the fat in the middle and then it's a better product on, on the consumer and the supplier side. Yep. And another interesting partnership slash use case, perspective california just came out and said that their dmv is has created a private test net on the tezos blockchain to start incorporating the entire car management system into that to see if that's something they can move over to a blockchain and away from their current solution so it'll be exciting to see how that private test net goes and if that's something they create as a, a real public working product in the future Couple of the little things too. Amazon has made a, a pretty big announcement that they are planning to get into the NFT space. And they're really doing that in the gaming perspective. So they already own Twitch and 
MGM studios and a handful of others that will tie very closely into gaming and NFTs. So pay attention and it wouldn't surprise me if you have an Amazon account, if you'll have the opportunity to mint a free NFT from Amazon at some point. We talked about gaming being kind of a, a huge theme. So it's interesting that uh, it is becoming a, a popular thing for a company as large as Amazon too. And then the uh, last thing that I had was more FTX news has come to light that SBF was trying to influence some of the witnesses in the trial through interactions on Signal. And for those of you that aren't aware, Signal is a messaging app that is supposed to be very secure. But I think some of the people were mentioning <laughs> that, hey, SBF is trying to affect this trial. This, I don't think he's supposed to be doing this. <laughs> hey, I mean, I guess when you're in a ton of trouble, like, what's a little bit more trouble? Like, what's <laughs> one more charge for witness tampering or, you know, whatever whatever else gets tagged on? It's like, you're already, you're already in pretty deep. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole FTX story at some point in the near future, and it's probably still three to five years away before we know everything, is going to make for one of the most amazing movies in, that we've ever seen. Yeah, it'll be like the big short. Yep. Yeah, exciting short week for us and a lot of interesting news happening. We talked about regulation being a big theme in 2023, and we're seeing a lot of that right now. So it'll be interesting to see as how that progresses over the next few months as well. Yeah. 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 The, the other thing I thought this week, which is kind of the first time I've had this thought and it's, I was talking to a friend of mine who was, you know, we're looking at Russia attacking Ukraine and Iraq being bombed by, I guess it's likely Israel or it is Israel. I don't know if it's official. So, you know, things are kind of shaping up where it's like the United States and the West versus the BRICS countries, Russia, China, Iraq. So we kind of, we went from that to like, okay, what's the advantage? Like, why are we, why would you bomb Iraq right now? What's the, what's the reason? Anyway, it it was like, all right, well, they're starting to sell energy and oil in particular in non-US dollars. And the US traditionally doesn't like that. And so anyway, what kind of became this BRICS versus the, versus the US? Well, if, if that really does come to fruition in any major way you know, the BRICS can't rely on the US dollar for uh for trade because I mean of what the US did to Russia and freezing their their assets I was like this guy I was talking to is like doesn't believe in Bitcoin it thinks it's a Ponzi all the stuff that people that don't do research think and and he was like well China's not going to give up you know their currency they're not you know they're not going to go to Bitcoin I'm like that's not what I'm that's not what I'm telling you <laughs> what I'm saying is they just they traded in Bitcoin and they converted to their own currencies because it's you know it's universally like every country every currency right now can be converted into into Bitcoin so it's like they just trade in Bitcoin and flip it into their currency they don't have to ride the volatility but if BRICS adopts that there's no other currency big enough to trade oil globally and so if BRICS says all right well we'll trade in Bitcoin or gold you know but if gold you know gold's going to get really old if they're actually transporting it or, or you're going to write a bunch of IOUs and then you don't trust that country to actually. So like, if you want to actually transfer the value, you could do it in Bitcoin. A, the price of Bitcoin has to go way up to be big enough to do that without the price swinging. But, but anyway, so as a, as a like potential 
weakness or Achilles heel for Bitcoin would be if the BRICS countries are like, well, you know, let's use Bitcoin some. The, the U.S. could really have a good excuse to crack down hard on on Bitcoin possession and everything. So it would really test that privacy side of Bitcoin and could really suppress the price. So like that's not news, right? That's just me thinking talk about forecasting things. Bitcoin's always about the future, right? Like trying to figure out where it's going and what's next and adopting this. You know, for me, I'm pretty bullish on Bitcoin. So it's very easy for me to find the reasons why it's going to be successful. I'm kind of constantly looking for re reasons that it's going to fail. And so that one just kind of came up and I'm kind of keeping an eye on things like that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think the, the little that I pay attention to some of the outside news, China is slowing their growth so much that they have to find ways to get investment in one of the only places they can actually find a suitor to provide that some of that investment is going to be the U.S. So it wouldn't surprise me if the China and the U.S. find a way to work together a lot closer. And in reality, if you look at what's, what's happening in Russia, the U.S. probably wants to align with somebody else other than Russia right now. And those, those are kind of the three major superpowers right now. So there's a lot of macro stuff going on that will, I'm sure, surprise us multiple times throughout 2023. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because China kind of has to shoot their shot soon because they've got a demographic problem because of their population is upside down. They've got a whole lot of uh, older people and not enough younger people. So their productive component of society isn't big enough to keep growing like they have grown. Um, it's one of those things where not a lot happens for a decade. And then everything starts happening at once, right? Like gradually, then suddenly stuff. If they're going to make a move, they kind of need to make it soon because they're going to have a population that, that's so old, they're not productive. And then they're going to suck some of the resources from the productive group to take care of the older group because, I mean, that's, that's just part of the requirement. So you're talking about a, a more narrow band of productive workforce. Anyway, that, that was kind of interesting to hear about because he was like, you know, everybody's talking about trying to be in this superpower and being on this trajectory that's going to overtake the United States, you know, heads and shoulders. And he's like, nope. He's like, that's not the, he's like, that is kind of what the trajectory is, but it's parabolic. Like it's coming back down. So I, I, that was one of the first, like China's not doing as well as everybody thinks sort of making me kind of think about that. But he said like, they're back kind of against the wall. Like they need to do something soon because they're, they just can't keep this growth curve up. Yeah, the, the world is making life interesting. So. Oh yeah, there's never, there's like never, uh, never a slow news day. Yeah, crypto is becoming the same way too. So it's just a lot yeah. harder to find. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's not in the Wall Street Journal anymore. Awesome. Well, Hal, as always, great to catch up, and we'll talk again next week. Great. Thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group on Blocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.